This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, as we have been discussing here and reporting for weeks, the finance minister is embroiled in a controversy over whether he's properly distanced himself from millions of dollars of private sector assets that he holds. Last week, he finally said that he intends to put his portfolio into a blind trust, which many people believe that he had already done when he assumed power. And uh, this, as he spent the week backing off some of the most controversial tax reform proposals that were going to hit small business. Well, tomorrow he unveils his fiscal update, which will be full of good news. Notice, notably, that gross domestic product growth hit 4.5% in the second quarter of the year. That is great news. Uh, so I guess uh, the Liberals are hoping that that will distract everybody and make up for uh, these very rough last few weeks on the finance front. But what we don't know is whether Bill Morneau will lay out plans to balance the budget. So what do you think? Is that something that's important to you to see, uh, that we're going to have a balanced budget at some point? Uh, The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And now we are going to Michael Tobe, who is a public affairs analyst and commentator, and Aaron Woodrick, who is the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Okay, well, let's start with you, Aaron. Um, what do you expect to see in terms of uh, deficit reduction in this? Well, look, people are making a lot of hay, uh, Libby, about the fact that this government is going to beat its own estimates, uh, that they're going to come in, you know, with a smaller deficit than they themselves have projected. But people need to remember their original promise was actually three years of $10 billion or yes. Uh, $10 billion or less per yes. year. Um, they tripled that in their first year. So they're starting from very, very low expectations here. Um, our concern uh, all along has been that they need to provide a plan to get back to balance. You know, even if you're not hardliners like us, I think most Canadians are very uncomfortable with the idea of running deficits forever with no plan to pay it back because, of course, that's money that our kids and grandkids have to pay. So that's what we're going to be looking for tomorrow is to see if the minister finally, after two years, will give us a date or a plan that uh, the government's going to get back to balance. Um, Michael, uh, as a devil's advocate, what people would say, okay, uh, the their deficits are a lot larger than they themselves said they would be, but they're still pretty small potatoes in, in terms of our whole economy. Sure, I would agree with that. If we're going to play devil's advocate for a moment and sort of look how they're going to discuss things, um, although I agree with Aaron's analysis overall, they're going to obviously try to point out the solid report that's in the economy, how beneficial it's going, how the economic engine has been chugging along very nicely. And in spite of problems that have happened in other countries in the world, Canada, for the most part, has maintained itself as a strong economic force. Now, unfortunately, as we all know sitting here and many of your listeners know, 
the economy did actually rather well with former Prime Minister Stephen Harper. And in fact, he went into the 2015 federal election with the, you know, the, the great October surprise and the budget was balanced and everything looked great and he didn't win ultimately. Now, it wasn't necessarily just because of the economy per se. They had also been power for close to 10 years and people were obviously getting tired of this government. But the, the, the comment that the economy is going to be the, the be with all and wherewithal of how this government is going to succeed in its first two years of its mandate, the next two years of its mandate, and going forward, obviously they're going to tout it as much as they possibly can. They're going to talk about the success Canada's having both domestically and on the, on the world stage. But it won't necessarily translate into, I think, a, a glorious moment where we're going to have a huge parade on the streets of Ottawa, because it's good news. It's certainly people will be happy to hear that the Canadian economy is chugging along. But if the, balance, if the budget is not balanced, and this is obviously going to be the bigger part of our talk today, I don't think it's going to matter very much because people want fiscal prudence and they want responsibility coming from their federal government. And if they don't balance the budget, and we'll see what happens, that's not a good strategy or a good thing going forward. Well, do you think it will make up for, again, that really rocky uh, last few weeks that the government has gone through over their tax proposals? Well, that's obviously what they're hoping for. It's why they threw in the small business tax credit, which, quite frankly, I think they were sort of hoping, and this is a personal belief, that we would just sort of die a death in a small, dark corner somewhere. You mean the think... reduction of, of the uh, small business tax from 105 to 9%? That's the one, exactly. You know, it's basically being used as a deflectionary tactic. I can certainly understand it. They've had to deal with Bill Morneau's mysterious French villa now for a few weeks. They've had a lot of trouble dealing with it, which is quite understandable because because, quite frankly, the finance minister didn't handle this affair very well at all. It wasn't illegal what he did, but the way he handled things with the ethics commissioner, he should have been open, he should have been transparent, and he should have acknowledged it right up front, and none of this would have happened. So, yes, they're obviously trying to use it as a deflectionary political tactic to talk about the greatness of the economy and focus less on Bill Morneau's personal travails, but I don't necessarily think they're going to be able to dissuade a lot of people at this point in time, because although Morneau's controversy will eventually disappear, the news cycle only lasts so long for everyone, this is not going to necessarily change the channel for very long or not as effectively as I think they're hoping. Uh, Aaron, um, you know, um, uh, Michael just mentioned that small business tax cut. Uh, which, again, we weren't expecting, even though it had been promised before the election. Is that a good thing or a bad thing, something that might prevent them uh, for pay- from, from paying down the deficit? Well, look, it's funny, as Michael pointed out, I call it a resurrection of the promise because it <laughs> made the promise and broke it, and now it's back um, very conveniently for them. Uh, look, we're a small uh, group that likes uh, lower taxes and smaller governments, so we're not going to complain about a tax cut. But uh, I can tell you from the thousands of people I heard from over the last few months, none of them were terribly concerned about the rate. They were concerned about the other changes. So I don't know that this addresses uh, all of their concerns. And I think the government has a credibility problem now. You know, they had said for a long time the reason they were running these big deficits was to get the economy humming. 
Well, it's humming now, so I think it's going to be hard for them to justify continuing to spend more money uh, than they have. And, you know, the minister, uh, he was supposed to be the rock-solid fiscal credibility of this government. As we all know, he has now been under fire for months and months, and it seems to get worse by the day. So I, I think that the government has a, a fiscal credibility problem. Um, of course, they're hoping this, this fiscal update will help them. You know, I, I, it's a good thing if the economy is doing well, don't get me wrong, but uh, it's an, always an open question, I say, how responsible governments of any stripe are for how well the economy is doing. They're happy to take credit when things are going well, uh, but when things are not going well, they usually have somebody else to point to to blame. Well, okay, uh, guys, hang on. Let's take a call from Jerry in Burlington. Hi, Jerry. Hello, Libby. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? Okay, good. Thank you uh, for taking my call. Yes, well, I mean, talking about transparency uh, of the government, uh, it's, I mean, the credibility and everything. So here we have Mr. Morneau, who, of all people, he's the finance minister, and he's an astute businessman. He, of all people, he should know about the rules, that he was supposed to disclose all his holdings within, I believe it's 12 months of taking office. So he knew very well what he was doing, because uh, how, why else would he put his holdings into numbered companies of uh, uh, some of them? He is the own, uh, uh, whole, uh, like, owner. Or have offshore well, accounts. he he um, he says that those those uh, things were there. Those numbers companies were there uh, for a long time. That he didn't he didn't do that when he realized he was going into public life. That they've been there for that long. But he still owns them. Yeah. But anyhow, he, he in the meantime he is going across the country trying to or accusing the little guy who earns sometimes less than seventy thousand dollars of being a cheater and using loopholes. And in the meantime, he is using loopholes in the tens of thousands uh, of dollars, um, and he must have been aware of it. But, you know, one thing, Libby, I think the privacy commissioner uh, should be accused of providing him with um, false or illegal advice. Because Just a minute. You mean the integrity commissioner? The, sorry, the integrity. Uh, sorry, in the integrity commissioner. She didn't. How come we now know that it was illegal? But when she said it, well, it's it was not. Okay? It's not illegal. She what she told him that that he could do that and still be inside the letter of the law. But but he has it, to do better than that. But that's not true. Uh, it 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 I is true. Think, I don't uh, think that's true. Actually, it is it is true. What it is true, is Jerry. Quite, quite correct. It's it's that he chose a bad option. She gave him a couple of options. He could have been open, transparent, and put into a blind trust, and that would have been the end of this discussion. As a lot of people, I can tell you, when I worked for the Prime Minister's office in the Harper years, a lot of people had to do that based on their holdings. Mr. Morneau made a decision to choose the other option, and that's why the federal liberals are in this mess right now. Yes. Well, because, as I said, in his uh, function, he should know better. Okay. Oh, I agree. You should know better. I don't think anyone's disputing that here, but <laughs> that's, that's my the option. Comment, so. And God help us. <laughs> okay, Jerry. Thanks very much for your call. Have a nice day. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, okay. Uh, so uh, again, um, Aaron, for your members, how much of an issue is this going to be? Uh, sorry, Mr. Minister Morneau, or the policies? That well, support? kind of a little bit of both, the whole thing. I mean, is it, do you think it'll be possible 
uh, to move beyond this if they kind of uh, correct course? Or uh, is this just, uh, you know, a, a case where they, they just really don't seem to get taxpayers? Yeah, I'd say a couple of things. I mean, first of all, uh, we've been soliciting feedback for the last sort of half week over the changes, and there's a lot of skepticism amongst their supporters that it's going to mean what they say it's, it, it is, because that was the original problem the government had was they said, oh, don't worry, these tax changes are only going to affect really rich people, the rest you don't have to worry. And lo and behold, that wasn't the case. And so now they're coming out and saying, don't worry, this time we've got it right, and it'll only impact really rich people. So we're hearing from people saying, uh, we want to see the details because we don't believe you. So that's sort of the position we're taking. The other thing with Minister Morno is, you know, the fact that these loopholes were framed, sorry, these policies were cha- right. uh, framed as an attack on the wealthy. And then people were asking a very simple question saying, you know, Minister Morno, you're a very wealthy man and none of these changes impact you. How can you explain that? And he never really had a good answer for that. So I think that really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. You know, how can it be that these changes are going after rich people when these, they, they conveniently don't impact him or the prime minister? Well, that's right. And they they don't deal with things like stock options that multimillionaire CEOs get or anything like that or family trusts. Exactly. They, they, you know, look, there are some folks that are going to be impacted that are doing okay. People who make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, they're not suffering by any means, but they're the sort of rich. It's the really super rich, the multimillionaires, <laughs> right. people like Morneau and Trudeau, who, who are not impacted at all. And people are saying, you know, uh, I don't believe you when, when I can see that the changes don't impact people like you. Uh, Michael, uh, again, um, do you see a skepticism about the changes? Because uh, the the way, you know, the changes were reported and what I saw in them, I thought, okay, it looks like they have addressed the worst of this. Well, I mean, unfortunately, you know, it's interesting what Aaron was discussing earlier. The devil's in the details, as the old saying goes, but unfortunately the devil has spoken spoken a little too much recently. Um, I think the problem here is that, yes, some of the changes have been addressed in, in fairness, and I think that probably the Liberals will use the tactic that enough has been done and we're going to move forward. But I think no matter how much you try to run right now, an issue that sort of is sitting in the news cycle, be it Bill Morneau's problems or anything else that obviously the opposition parties can take a hold of, chew on, and just keep fighting back as much as they possibly can, don't necessarily disappear or dissipate anytime soon. Eventually, they'll be able to make their way past it. And again, in terms of how the economy is operating, as I said before, it's going to be a deflectionary tactic to sort of talk about a good news item, if you just want to use politics per se. They obviously want to emphasize things that are beneficial to them and to the country. And obviously these numbers being higher than was originally forecast is beneficial to them, and they just hope that it will take everything else off the news cycle, we'll move away from all these mistakes, and we'll have, you know, put on our sunny ways platform, and back we go to two years of quote-unquote greatness. Except that I think that most Canadians are now starting to see through Justin Trudeau, our Prime Minister, not just because his political honeymoon is long since over, because they're sort of looking back and saying, yes, the economy has been good in Canada and better than forecast, but how much of that is really necessarily due to federal liberal policies or how much of that is due to the way the economy has been sort of working on an upswing, both in Canada and the United States, and the liberals have been just sort of following along with it. 
sometimes that happens to governments, even if they have the best of intentions, and it's hard to get away from that position or that particular focus or that particular strategy. Well, so it's a, I'm, I'm, I'm always skeptical when any government of any stripe starts taking credit for the economy. Oh, sure. Uh, and I, I am, too. I, I'm no different that way, even if it's my own. Absolutely. And look, a lot of conservatives obviously do take credit when things go their way, the same way liberals do, NDPers do, and many others. But that's a natural element, not just a human emotion. That's the way politics operates on a day-to-day basis. So, yes, that healthy degree of skepticism that you have, that I have, and I won't put Aaron's wor- you know, words in Aaron's mouth, he probably has too, is felt by a lot of other Canadians when they see their prime minister sort of sitting there smiling and saying how great things are and basically saying, you know, you get to talk to me, I'm the prime minister, and shelving his finance minister in the corner where he basically has to hold up or raise his hand so that he can actually speak. I just think those types of images, although they're a little different than what we're talking about with the French villa, I think that all those things play into the concerns that Canadians have about this federal government, about the way they operate on a day-to-day basis, and how open and transparent they really are. And that plays on people's minds. Okay, um, we're starting to run out of time. Erin, I just want to pick up on something you said that people are skeptical. I mean, uh, to me, for instance, uh, the way they pulled back from that passive tax measure by saying you can earn 50000 in income on your investments, which means you'd have to have about a million bucks sitting there. I, I mean, to me, that looks like it would take care of anything remotely uh, being still a small business. So where's the skepticism? Yeah, so it's interesting you bring up that point because that's actually the point that is probably the most confusing from our supporters. A lot of people don't understand what it means. They think it means 50000 in total. They don't realize it's per year. They think it means 50000 even if it's reinvested in the business, which my understanding is it's not. It's for money that's used for things like retirement or maternity right. leave. So I think the government needs to really communicate uh, that point well because you're right. If it does mean $50,000 per year on top of money that goes back into the business, um, and, and I believe also on top yep. of RRSP and TFSA room, that is a significant yep. sum and should address most of the concerns, but it's not clear yet to a lot of people. Well, I guess it was strange because I thought it was 50 in total as well, uh, but, uh, but uh, I guess there was a technical briefing that was not very well reported. Uh, and, and it is, if you generate $50,000, that first $50,000 will be taxed the same way it always was. And that's money that's uh, invested. It's money that you're not using in the business. What it what it doesn't tell you is, does that include money that you might have in cash uh, in your business account because you might need it? That's that's the one question I still have. But um, yeah, it's interesting that despite all this, even even these changes haven't been communicated that well. No, and that is, you know, it is partly a policy failure and partly a communications failure on the government's part, and they're still struggling with that. Um, but that's what you get when you when you embark on these types of complex changes. I think the government approaches the wrong way. I think a lot of people agree our tax code is way too complicated and needs to be fixed. But they sort of they, they rolled this out in a very ham-fisted way, and, and now they're paying for it. Okay, uh, and that's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much to Michael Tobe and Aaron Woodrick. My pleasure. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye, guys. And that is all the time we have for Fight Back for today. We now break for traffic and news. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. 
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.